0: Hello and welcome to Forget the Numbers, the SEMA student podcast. I'm Alan and I'm joined again remotely with Connor. Hello, everyone. On today's show, we are going to review the recent case study releases for the exams in May. In our news stories, we speak about how the heads of technology companies are contributing towards the coronavirus pandemic battle and how bureaucratic efficiency is improving. And we also have a student question at the end. So, Connor, we have spoken recently about how the case studies can be overhyped and that people can get really sucked in by them and that, oh, I need to know from the case study, I can guess what's going to come up in the exam. Um, So I think we've said, yeah, don't do that. But they're kind of still important. There's a balance to be struck there.
1: Yeah, it's all about finding that balance. I think the point we always come back to is, um, you know, looking at some of these... um, there's kind of uh, hoverboard companies. You don't need to know everything about the, the hoverboard. technology go, go, around go, go the hoverboard. <laughs> um Or, you know, everything to know with lithium ion batteries. I think that featured in one, you're not going to be expected to become a technical industry expert on all of these, but it's striking that balance to, to think about that industry. And, you know, when you're looking at the, the companies, think about issues that are going on and really it's, it's just building I think, a bit of a picture in your head so that when you're working through material or you're looking at different aspects, you have that kind of base foundation that you keep thinking about. But the, there's no use in trying to predict what might come up. There's no use in going out and buying a hoverboard and riding it around <laughs> your neighborhood. Um, it's, it's really just using it as kind of a, a starting point to frame how you, you think about the, the different areas of the syllabus.
0: Yeah, I think it's just to remember that the company company information like about hoverboards or anything else is is just to give to make the case study more interesting. It just it's just better than company A sells product X and product X is 200 euro per t- like and product X is a market leader. That's all they're doing. It's just adding a bit of a, a, a bit of dressing up around it really like governance yeah. is governance and it doesn't really matter whether it's hoverboards or pencils really but no, I think that has to be taken relatively with a pinch of salt a little bit that the problem could be anything but it just makes it more interesting to read and write about if you can if you can put a bit of color and flavor around it
1: yeah and I think um we always talk about and, and most students don't go back and look at at previous um previous case studies or previous pre-scenes, they kind of focus on the one they have. And maybe as you get to the SCS level, you start to see that trend more, but maybe not so much so for people doing OCS or MCS. It's that it it really is that. It really is the case studies are like a template and you'll get similar information around governance, similar financials. And a lot of the times it does for us, when we look at them each sitting, it does seem a case where names are changed and industries are changed. But when you get to that final exam, it's the you know the skeleton of it is the the exact same
0: <laughs> exactly so um today we're going to take a quick run through each case study and talk about some of the things that jump out to us now these are just a, a, a quick hint at them i think the, uh, and and i guess just for that today carl and myself we're going to give you a little bit of guidance and direction um but i think to really get into it obviously you need to read it in great detail and remember if you really want that expert advice that that I guess we're using a little bit today is our weekly webinars with Paul are talking about this content. So go on to LearnSignal.com now and you'll be able to get the first MCS webinar and the first two OCS webinars if you haven't already taken part. And the SCS starts next week. So enroll for your course and you can get access to this every single week. And I think that's vital because that's where you're kind of getting a forensic analysis of the case study of the parts you need of the parts you don't need. I think even some of the stuff that Paul has already done on charge it and alpaca group um, has been very insightful and i've watched them and they've been very insightful to me to for the little things that you pick up and it's it's not going to be the big obvious things that will really help you do well in the exam It's those few little things that you add together that an examiner looks at and says wow you've really pieced this together nicely um i think is the important part so we're going to start with a charge it. I think I've heard some people call it charge IT. I, 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 don't I think we all know which one we're going to, I'm <laughs> going to call it charge it anyway, and because that's what Paul does. And, and, you know, Paul's our Bible. So <laughs> I think, um, like all the case studies, and I'm not going to go about this, I'm not going to talk about all of this in great detail for the other ones, but they all kind of cover the background of the company, and they might talk about the board, and they'll obviously talk about the financial data, um, some of them are market leaders, some of them are not market leaders. In this case, um, Charge It would appear to be a market leader with good revenues. Uh, I think the, the first thing that you need to find out in any case study is who you are. So, yeah. a lot of the times you're the finance manager, or in this case, you're the finance officer. And every, when you're reading the case study, you have to read it through the eyes of a finance officer to make sure that you're answering all of the questions through the eyes of a finance officer, because there's, there's no point, you're being told who you are. There's no point in writing an exam. Oh, if I was a CEO, but you're not Mm. the CEO. So I think students have to be careful about the, one of the most important or biggest mistakes they can make is that the lens they look at the company's true is incorrect.
1: Yeah. I think that's huge. I think assuming the role of that character from as early as possible and then keeping that in your head throughout your preparations. I think that's the the most important thing you can do at the pre scene. And as you said, looking at every bit of information through that lens, um, that's gonna put you in a really strong position for whatever comes up.
0: Yeah. I think two uh there's two areas that jumped out. And again I we're in no way saying that these are the only two areas and but just for me when I was going through the case study, there are two areas that that uh, and these areas are still huge, so it's not as if we're narrowing it down greatly. And we're not suggesting that you should only study these areas. But strategy of charge It was going to be a big thing. And I know one of the big things was like moving from cord to cordless. Um, yeah. But e- but even still, the the whole strategy of the company, the new competition, um, the fast moving nature of that industry, uh, the new technology. There's so much in there. That that you'd yeah. probably expect that strategy would definitely come up with so in some way in that case study.
1: Yeah, and I, I think what's also interesting for people is sometimes when people look at um financials, they're very focused on what's what's bad in the financials. But sometimes you need to look at, you know, is there rapid growth? How how quickly is all this um growing? So I think that's that's really important. And on that strategy side, I think R&D, uh, research and development, is something that you see propping up throughout this and, and is kind of a focus area because new products and, and staying a, a kind of leader in that market is going be, to be really important for them.
0: Yeah, and I think sometimes in a fast-moving market, you might uh, overreact to a gearing ratio, although it may be high. The, the R&D, the amount that you have to invest on in upfront to get the long-term value might be huge. And, and so, yes, gearing might be high, for example, but it's not to overreact to that and say, oh, gearing is high. This company is badly run. You really have to take the industry you're being given in there as well and apply that. Another area that I, I, I think jumps out as well is the whole HR area um, regarding with the people with HR plans or understanding the HR cycle. And I guess in in an industry that's that's building, there's going to be more demand for your staff. Maybe you're going to need different qualifications from staff and have to go out there. And then I think one of the models that Paul is going to be concentrating on is Porter's value chain as well. So there are just a few things that kind of, if you're thinking in this in the same general direction, great. If all of this is a little bit of a surprise to you, you should really start attending Paul's lectures pretty quickly. I think, um, yeah, because this is a very basic level from myself and Connor today. This has not gone into any great detail. This is by no means our exam tip. so uh, but it is a guide at this stage. If you're not thinking a little bit at this level, um, you really need to kind of get on the ball and start moving for for this one, because obviously you're what four weeks away four or so weeks away from from the exam at this stage. The management case study, um, or the gateway case study as well, is the Alpaca Hotel Group. Um, I think out of the three, there's probably more detailed financials in here uh, because you you have that divisional structure as well as the overall Alpaca Hotel Group. Um, So that hotel group is broken down in, in three divisions as well. So you've got once you see that divisions, you're likely to see different divisional performance. Um, yeah. And it might be a ho- one set of hotels is in a city, one is in a tourist area, whatever it might be. So you have to look out for the what those divisions mean. Why Why have they broken them down in those, le- those type of divisions? And are they the right way of breaking it down?
1: Yeah, and I think the important thing is... You know, so it's it's a hotel group, but I think you see th- that it's a luxury hotel group throughout, yeah. and that's that's a very different. um You know what that means is very different to a low cost hotel or a normal hotel. So that's something to to keep in mind as you look at you know what's going on in that country, what's going on in the industry, and that, I think that's an important point just to bear in mind throughout.
0: Yeah, I think one of the areas because you're told it's a listed company, and you're also told that, that it's a principles based regime. So I think corporate governance would appear to be quite a big topic in here. Um, yeah. So what is your assessment of the corporate governance, I guess, in a principles-based regime? Do you agree with it? Um, do they have the right amount? Do they have the correct board structure? Um, all of those type of things. I think, in any, and I guess this is as good a time as any to raise this, no matter which case study you're doing, no matter how much you read about the case study now, you do get quite a lot of information, and, and we've we've kind of been involved with all our mock exams that we've just released. And does, you can add a piece of information into the exam that goes that accompanies the case study but can completely change your view of the whole company. So I think the, the added details that you'll get in the paper. So you could get something on corporate governance for Alpaca. Um, you get a, a, a newspaper story complaining about the lack of corporate governance or the external view or find out that other companies in the industry have changed their corporate governance massively and the alpaca hotel group haven't then what what would you recommend so be always aware that the case study although it's a guide there's so much that can be added on as an appendix to a question on the day you get into the exam that it could change
1: it dramatically and i think i think what that comes back to is you know so this is a quoted company and as soon as you see that you should be thinking um corporate governance so it's not a case of trying to predict are they good at corporate governance are they bad what could potentially happen if you have a strong sense of what good corporate governance is you're you're strong in that syllabus area you've practiced questions over that it means whatever supplement information that comes in in your actual exam you'll be able to deal with it so i think with all these cases particularly as well with the news stories it's kind of just framing you know areas that you need to think about and be strong on but don't get caught in running down the the rabbit hole of seeing one news article and thinking it's definitely going to go down that way there's the, that's going to be the focus of the exam it's just using that to kind of challenge yourself think about areas of the um, information in the pre-scene, but look for those broader focus areas um, like we talked about previously HR or corporate governance or strategy and kind of if you're strong on how you deal with any questions on those then whatever comes up in in the actual exam you're going to be good for
0: yeah I think there's some other things I think um for this case study you talk about financial information but there's a lot of non-financial information they talk about occupancy rates and they talk about the fact that the target is to build a new hotel or open a new hotel every three years customer satisfaction comes up yeah a lot of rating systems a lot of rating systems and online reviews yeah those non-financial factors seem to be a big a big thing here um the one thing that I think you could get a whole question on or a big chunk of a question on is the growth model. So organic growth versus acquisition is definitely a theme. And I think finally the the fact that they mentioned blockchain. I think the those people anything to do with technology, um terminology is gonna be key here. So you you really need to be familiar with tech technology terminology, understanding blockchain, understanding payment systems, understanding yeah. internet, things like that um although and i, I think I another one granted. on
1: that might be um kind of booking systems and that type of thing they i know they give a good few news stories in this and again i think it's it's just looking to challenge you but they talk about the year of culture and how it's hard to get accommodation and um, they talk about the economy improving and lots of bookings. so there could be that yeah that technology around around booking systems as well that might factor into it
0: and then finally, therefore, we have the SES case study, and that's runabout, and the mobility industry. It's a bit of a mouthful to say. Yeah. Um, and again, you see it's a regulated environment, so that's a big thing. You see corporate governance coming up as well. You see the negative news story um, about the, the injury. Um, so I think... I actually think at the beginning you read this case study and go, "This is amazing," and then the case study kind of takes a turn, and then the negative things comes in. So they've kind of led you down a, a little bit of a path that everything's perfect, and then. But what I would say is that all of these areas, like being a regulated environment, being corporate governance, being the topic, the type of industry, um, the new technology, it's definitely not without its problems. And no.
1: And I, I, the other thing I that that jumped out for me is I think they talk. There's a lot of areas that could lead to kind of corporate social responsibility, sustainability. They talk about traffic congestion, pollution, and um, so maybe how this micro mobility industry can can help with this. Uh, I think that it's in a country with huge population, so you know how can can they do it in a more sustainable way um, that eliminates traffic congestion and pollution? I think there could be areas around that, um, and then obviously, as you said, the the corporate governance. Again, once you see it's quoted company, that there's a GLAN code of corporate governance in place, you you have to expect that. It's just set up
0: for you, really, isn't it? Um, And I think technology is interesting here because it's not just the technology of the products that they're building, and that's probably what they're used to doing, but there's mentions of mobile phone apps. So it's that additional technology that they mightn't be used to creating that the market is demanding along with their products. So it's extending that. And, And I think we mentioned for the last case study is that more research and development do they have to take on more debt do they have to find the money to invest in this so there's a lot in these I think and I think a lot of what we said for runabout could probably apply to any of the other two there's so much in these case studies that I think if there's one lesson you get out of us running through the three of them today it's the fact that um, anything can come up there's so much detail, there's so much information in that case study. And then all the examiner has to do is give you another half page of information on the day of the exam. And they, they can open up an area that you thought was only minor and insignificant. So I think attending those those webinars with Paul over the next few weeks and um, doing the practice questions we have on the site and then taking the mock exams is really the only way to get you used to kind of expecting anything our mock exam are never really planned in such a way that we think this is going to match what's going to come up what we're trying to do is get you thinking in a, in a number of ways that on the day no matter what they throw at you you won't be too surprised so so definitely try and um get with paul over the next couple of weeks and, and go through those webinars with him and then look at you might look at them again you might look at them more than once because they're recorded and they're going to be available for you um so i'd recommend you do that and and the time will just tick away and especially because you're going to be doing your exams from home that's going to be new as well so you really should get on top of this as quickly as you can don't forget to follow us on facebook and
1: instagram for extra content important news live streams study tips and much more So again, we're trying to focus this week on the positive news stories. And I found um, a news story. This may sound, on another day, I would say this sounds very boring. It's a news story around bureaucratic efficiency. Um,
0: I'm already hot, It's okay.
1: <laughs> I did find this very interesting, given the the timing of everything. Um, so, what this story is about is that Switzerland has found a way to give small businesses really quick and easy access to funds. Um, and you know, this is a a situation, and I don't <laughs> want to focus on the the resources and responses of different governments, but I thought this was really a case showing how um, governments and banks can cooperate and limit paperwork to be really efficient and get um, really you know, useful um, ways to help small businesses. So while a lot of governments are struggling, what the Swiss government has been able to do is distribute €14 billion Euro to over 76,000 companies within a week of launching an emergency package. And I think if you look at the figures alongside what's happened in any other government it's it's kind of staggering and again the way they did this was just cooperation between the government and banks they limited paperwork they used robots to process applications they hired more people within banks to manage this um and it's kind of proved key in in them being able to roll out this this uh, emergency package to to kind of smes within their countries um I think the the other thing that's really interesting, and it kind of follows the tune of a lot of other stories, they've been in contact with lots of their kind of European counterparts in recent days, showing how they structured the scheme, how they were able to roll it out and, and what worked well. Um, and just to highlight one kind of other key point on it was um, one business owner who spoke in, in this article that I'd seen said that they applied by a one page form on a Friday and they had the money by Monday, allowing them to be able to pay their staff and protect their business. Um, and again, they they just said the the system and the cooperation between the banks and the government was brilliant. And the speed has kind of enabled them to keep their, their business going. Um, so I suppose I won't get into the, the details of everything that's involved in this package. I think, um, you know, there's, it's it's all based on obviously um, the company's revenue to, to the cap of what they can get. Um, but I, I think the the main thing I talked about was how I think there was a 121 banks that persi- uh, participated. The the government has given guarantees over these loans, um, and it really just seems like they have. You know, the the package that they want to to do, they've just found a way that they can do it in such a timely manner that it will have the maximum effect. Um, so I, I thought it was an interesting story in that regard.
0: I think there's like great examples of of cutting through bureaucracy over the last few months um, across the world. This is this is a pretty impressive example because it's a turnaround time. But I think there's been great examples and you kinda hope that like we talked about global warming in the last podcast about the, the how that's changed. And you kind of hope that people Take the positives out of the last couple of months like this, and like how they could, like I think in Ireland, people have said that some things that happened over the last two months would have taken years and probably would never have happened in normal circumstances. Yeah, and hopefully we have learned from this, and and as much there's always a push to make kind of um, government related entities more efficient, and everybody this whole many people who have answered questions in the past and exams very private. Uh, private companies versus public versus like government run companies about how they're more efficient. I think this is a real good opportunity, hopefully to keep that efficiency and keep that kind of working relationship that has been built up on um, over the, the last few months. Um, I thought today as well, I I'd, I'd do a story because I think we, we the likes of Mr. Zuckerberg and his buddies and data, and we have, we have hit them hard in this podcast in news stories <laughs> yeah. over the last few months and I, And I just thought that there's they they're not all bad and i I thought that some of the things that um some of these guys have done over the last few weeks has been impressive in in the coronavirus pandemic fight um Jack Dorsey has um the founder of Twitter and the payment app square square has donated uh, one billion dollars which is eight hundred and ten million pounds um and you kind of think people will think, well, God, he has it, and, and yes, he mm. does have it. But actually, when they broke it down, it's twenty-eight percent of its wealth. his wealth. So yeah. it's not as if he's giving away kind of. I a don't few think any million, of us would he uh, has a few billion. Now, <laughs> if you think about, would you of it, yeah. would you be in a position to give away kind of nearly one-third of everything that you, that you own? Do you know what I mean? And like so, yeah. No, yes, very he has. Impressive. Yes, he has billions, but. He like you could argue he made the billions too, so it's quite a large uh, contribution, I think, uh, and especially in the US because the US it seems to be certainly heading west from Europe into the US, and they are struggling for a lot of uh, a lot of um, kind of ventilators and personal protective equipment, as most countries are. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was a pretty impressive, and he's going to use yeah. the, the, the shares and square. Um, I
1: I think the other thing with all those people is it, it does make a, a statement when powerful people within business, um, as well as you know, obviously the political people. But it makes a statement to political people when when business people are doing that, and it 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 does set an example to others. So I think you know there it really does show a statement of intent, a statement where they're at with it. And I think that can encourage others to follow suit. It can encourage political people, particularly maybe in the US to take um, more notice, or it it can have, you know, multiple effects, not just the actual amount of money that that's put into it.
0: Yeah. And I think they're all doing different things like Mark Zuckerberg has committed 30 million to focus on an effort to create a treatment, which is good because it's not all about fixing the immediate problem. It's trying to, make this not a problem for as long as possible. Jeff Bezos has donated $100 million to food banks in the U.S. Um, Tim Cook, I know, had previously announced that um, they're donating medical supplies to Italy. And I'm sure at this stage you're probably involved in the U.S. effort. I've no doubt about it. So overall, it's like we do give these guys a, a bad time. And a bit like the government bureaucracy people are realizing that it's bigger than them. It's bigger than their country. It's bigger than their company. It's bigger. It's the biggest thing, the single thing the world has ever faced since when the dinosaurs got hit by a rock. (laughs) And and it's (laughs) really, it's kind of really good to see that people are actually coming together and trying to solve this. And it's not, it's no longer about uh, the, the fortune top 100 people who are the richest in the world. It's everybody realizes that they are stuck in this together. Yeah. Try us for free by registering for a basic plan on LearnSignal.com to get everything you need to pass your exams.
1: So, Alan, uh, our question this week from our SEMA student, how much additional content is provided in the case study exam over and above the case study already received?
0: So we touched on that a little bit earlier, and I think it's massive. And it's not about the amount of content. It's not about saying oh, it's four more pages or seven more pages. It's They could add one paragraph. They could talk about something that's a change in the corporate governance code. They could ch- a, a new rule could be brought in around technology. Anything could be brought in so quickly. So Anything can be added. They can add new financials. They can say, oh, the Ho- Alpaca Hotel Group are going to take over a new hotel. And here's the financials of that new hotel. I think what you need to do is be prepared for anything. And... Don't think that you have figured out all the areas, because what happens then is if you think you have it all figured out, you go in and you answer the question you wanted it, you wanted to be asked, rather than answering the question that was asked. So all you can do over the next few weeks is, if you work with Paul, he will prepare you to be prepared for anything, and I think that's the key thing, so that you won't be cut off on the day that on the, your exam day and whatever paper you get and what comes up in that. So I think don't get too caught up in the case study from that perspective and don't get too caught up in the areas you're expecting to come up. So I think we'll leave it there for this week. Thank you very much. As usual, get any questions and send them into our 24-hour help desk. Best of luck in the starting of your studies and going through your case studies. And we'll talk to you again next week.